So, guys, uh, what we want to do for the next couple of weeks, whenever we have the opportunity, we want to look at a specific book. I don't know if you guys remember, there was a time that we looked at the book of Philippians. I had a, I had a, a book on my heart that I shared with the guys, and, and we feel like it will be good for the next couple of weeks. We'll see. We'll see how it all, all turns out. That uh, we want to go through the book of First John, Little John. All right. And uh, um, I uh, there's there's obviously so much to say about Little John. I'll call him Little. Um, and uh, um, one of the things that as we go through the book that I want us to consider what John uh, I think tries to emphasize is contrast. John always gave two options. He only gives two options. And the whole world, excluding the church, is crying for a third option. But John never gives it. All right? John says, there's darkness and light. Have you guys seen, have you guys seen how light and darkness has this impossible it's impossible to marry. It's impossible to be reconciled. If light comes, as sure as can be, darkness will go. There is no way that darkness can go away. You can come in, but just give me some space as well. If, if light comes, darkness flees, for sure. If light leaves, darkness comes in. And that will be one of the types that he gives. He does it for a reason, because he wants to illustrate the contrast. He gives life. And then, some people seem to have something of an in-between. <laughs> but there isn't really an in-between. It's life or death. Love, it's the three L's that he emphasized quite a lot. Life, light, and love. And he, he puts it to love of God, love of the world. Can I have a third option? Something in-between. And he makes it very clearly. There is no in-between option. You either love God or you love the world. You only have those two options. He gives us the Antichrist, which I will speak about now. I want to speak a little bit about the Antichrist also. The Antichrist versus Christ. Lawlessness or sin versus righteousness. He gives those two options. And he wants to make it distinct for us. You either partake of one. You can't have something in between. You can't have a third option. And understand that when we're going to go through this portion now. John would refer to his readers as little children. I have a little bit of a problem with that. I think it's my Afrikaner pride. It's like it feels a little bit derogative. It's like don't call me a little child man. But somehow I feel when John does it, it's okay. Okay, John, you can call me that. I'll tell you why. I kind of want to give one guy the option to call me little, little children, little child. John writes this book in probably 90 AD. That would mean, that would mean it's 60 years, 65 years after the death of Jesus. John was, as a young man, 17 years old, around about 17, 18 years old, was he a disciple of Jesus. We know about John. John was the one that 
laid his head on Jesus' chest. And John was different than Peter. Of course, just after Jesus left, Peter was the one that took the mantle, was the one that stood up, was the one that seems to be the leader of everybody. But you know, Jesus, Jesus kind of, he delegated something different to John. If I have friends of mine, some guys I will hand over the work. I'll say, listen, can you look after the church? Can you look after this one? Watch out for this, watch out for this. But then some guys, I would say, would you look after my family? My children would need this. My wife would need this. And when Jesus ultimately stood at the cross, by the way, the only one that didn't desert them, the youngest of all the disciples, John, he looked at John, the one that didn't desert him, and says, John, here's your mother. Look after. And the talk is that he did not take that position away until Mary died. He looked after her until the day that she died. And obviously, if we would look at him, Jesus would refer, or he would refer to the one that Jesus loved a lot, and loved Jesus a lot. There was a special love relationship with Jesus on the earth. Jesus, John seems to be special in that way. And then John served the Lord. He served the Lord through the Peter era. And saw what God did for Peter and the revelation that came through Peter. He served Jesus through the Paul era. And see what, what revelation God gave for Paul. And after all of those guys have passed away, the one man that was with Jesus, that still followed him full on through all of this, was the only disciple that wasn't killed. Only disciple that wasn't killed. In fact, they tried to kill him a couple of times. They tried to boil him. They boil him in hot water as in, you know, he was sentenced to death and the death was boiling him in hot water. And tradition would tell us that they couldn't kill him. The more they heat up the oil, you know, the, the less he died. He didn't die. And so it's like, what do you do? The more, the more. My, my English is leaving me there. I don't know. So, <laughs> so, so he was sent to the Isle of Patmos, deserted, and there he got the, what we would know today as the book of Revelation. And right at the end of the first century Christianity, right before we are receiving scripture, John comes in, the man that's observed it all, that was there from the beginning, had his chest on Jesus, loved him so much, saw everything out, and right at the end of what we would know, canon or scripture, he comes in with these five books. Uh, one, two, three, John. John the Gospel and the book of Revelation. John has something to say to us. And for John, I will be willing to be called little children. Little child. Because he's been around and he's seen at the end when he cut everything away, what is it all about? And so with that in mind, let's consider. I'm going to go through the first chapter of John. I, uh, um, I remember when I was a kid, I uh, once came to the church. And church was, church was a challenge for me. It was that one hour that took everything of me to sit still throughout the meeting. And I remember one Sunday, it was rainy. And the Dumni preached very short that Sunday. And as he was busy landing, he said, guys, I'm so sorry. 
on my way to the building, my notes rain wet. And so I only have half a sermon today, right? And I thought, man, can't it rain every Sunday? <laughs> but I promise you, this will not be a problem this morning. <laughs> So, the second thing I want to say why it won't be a problem this morning is you will notice that my wife is not here. Naku is in Japan currently. She landed last night. She's going to be there for the next two and a half weeks with her family. But I, uh, um, I once was uh, asked to, to preach and, um, at a meeting. And then at that same meeting, the worship leader couldn't come. And so they asked Naku to do the worship. Naku was a little bit reluctant to do it, but I motivated, come on baby, you can do it. <laughs> for Jesus, for the church, come on, you do it. So uh, she, she, then she's there, we're at the meeting, and uh, um, when we got there, there was some problem with the sound. And the people are there, the meeting is building up already, and they can't get the band, can't get their sound ready. So the guy that's leading the meeting comes to me, he says, listen, don't you want to preach first? And then, and then we can do the worship afterwards. I said, no problem. I took the mic and I preached for two hours. <laughs> My wife was furious afterwards. <laughs> it's like you make me come all the way and you preach these people dead and you don't allow me to worship. Anyway, <laughs> I just want to say she's also not here this morning. So bless you guys. <laughs> All right, let's go to the, uh, um, let's go to the book of John. So here's a, here's some challenges. I I I was thinking I'm putting on the group. Please, guys, remember your Bibles. I'm quite impressed by all the Bibles that is that is here. But I I think most of us now at least most of us have a Bible at least on our phone. So here's the thing. I know the guys that has the Bibles. I know what they're reading. The guys on the phones, I don't know what you're reading, all right? So please don't fall for the temptation to just quickly check your WhatsApps and everything that's, uh, that could be there on the phone. I know, I don't know if there's Wi-Fi, but please, let's keep it. If we get the phones, so you're welcome to get your, 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 your Bible on your phone. And then um, if you don't have it, just sit with, sit with one another and that we can consider this uh, together. All right. So I'm going to read us uh, the first four verses of 1 John 1, and then I'm going to read you guys the first five verses of John 1, and just see how that uh, um, has some sort of similarity. <laughs> Try to not answer phone calls as well, please. All right. I'm reading for you guys the first letter of John, 1 John 1. What was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too might have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father 
and his son Jesus Christ. I don't want to say too much about it. I'll just stop for now there. But the grounds on which any fellowship or any connection happen here is we have fellowship with God. And if you want to have fellowship with us, we have fellowship with Christ. We've touched him and handled him. And if you want to have fellowship with us, you need to touch him. Because we won't be able to have true fellowship unless you touch him. It's only in the touching of him that we can truly have fellowship and understanding one another. I look at my brother here, Stuart. Right? So, me and Stuart, we, we have similar, we, 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 we dabbled in the world, both of us, quite properly. In that way, we're similar. But in many other ways, we are very, very different. Right? I can't hit a nail in a door. My hands is terrible. Stewie is like, I mean, he's, he's amazing. He's incredible with those type of things. When he comes in the room, I, and, and there's anything, if there's to pick up a chair, I step away. Right? When he's around. I like to sit under a tree and philosophize and think about stuff and consider stuff of stuff like that. Stewie is asking the question, faith works, my man. What are we going to do? But yet, when me and Stuart are together, even though we are different in so many aspects, I understand him. He tells me his pain, I understand him. Yeah, you don't have to say much, Stuart, I understand you. Stuart, I speak to him, I feel understood because we understand one another. Because we come from the same background, because we are similar in any way. No, we are completely different. But we have touched him and therefore we have fellowship with one another. And that's the only grounds that causes true fellowship. All right, I'm running ahead of myself here. John, John 1, right? Gospels, fourth book in the Gospels. Just, just listen to the similarities that there is. <coughs> it says this, in the beginning. He, he, uh, he copied that from Moses in Genesis 1. It's copyright on that. In the beginning, right? Everything with significance seems to have to start that way. In the beginning. Whoa. All right. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. He's introducing in the beginning for us Christ again. It's a little bit different in the way that what he presents of him. But it is Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. It's interesting now what he says. In him was life, and this became the light of man. What is... Uh, the light shines in darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. Let me just say something of light. One of the things that light obviously indicated this is its inability to stand with darkness. It stands of contrast. Light, lightness and dark cannot be. Of course, that's one of the meanings of light. But the, the greater meaning when Jesus ever says, I'm the light of the world, is where there's light, you can see. That's the whole point. Where there's darkness, you cannot see. And so when he became the light of man he causes man finally to see and without him you cannot see you are blind 
you do not understand purpose and what's going on, you are blind. Okay. But both both 1 John 1 and John 1 introduced for us a bit initially, it induced for us the life. Three of the L's, life, light, and love. But it first introduced for us this life. Now, in the Greek, for those of you that's heard me a couple of times, would know that's one of the big things. In, in the New Testament, there's three words for life. All right? The first one is bios. The second one is psyche. And the third one is zoe. There is a Zoe actually in person with us today, other than Jesus, the child of Lucas and Therene. After they heard of Zoe, they feel that's the name that they need to give to that girl. That's awesome, actually. So, um, bios simply means I'm biologically alive. I'm alive. I live. I breathe. Right? Psyche is the word where we find whoever loses his life will find it. Psyche is, uh, um, Revelation 12 verse 11 says, They overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and not loving their life. It's self-life. Is the word psyche. Life which Jesus continuously asks us to lay down and to, to bring to the cross. It's the life that is selfish for us when our flesh naturally gravitates to hold on and to keep to yeah I, I, I wanted to give my many examples of self-life that I have alright and Jesus plays these two in contrast in, in John 12 he says whoever loses his life psyche our English leaves us here whoever loses his life will find life it's a different word will find Zoe eternal life whoever loses self it's the, uh, it's the English or the, the Greek. Is, is, uh, we, we translated this life, but it is, it, is, it is psych. It's a different word for life. We'll find life. We'll find Zoe. We'll find eternal life. This word Zoe we find several times. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am your satisfaction. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I come to give you life and life more abundantly. What does he say? I come to give you a nice car, a nice girlfriend, and a brilliant job. You will have an awesome life. That's not at all that he presents to people. And even in the church, when Jesus says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly, we're like, woo -hoo. But what he's trying to say is, I give you a life much deeper than the life that this world can offer. I can satisfy you as as Stewie has explained to us, in the deepest of your insides. This is life. John 7 verse 3 says, This is life that you would know me and the Father who sends me. Now this life that John introduces to us, this is the unfortunate thing. Every man, every woman was born to be satisfied by God was born to find life in him. I like Stuart's finding source in him. You know, uh, um, when when God created, He created the when He when He when He created the fishes, He spoke to the sea. When He created the the animals, He spoke to the earth. When He created the the, the, the plants, He spoke to the earth. He, every time, whenever He created something, He spoke to the sea. Sea, bring forth the fishes. 
Uh, earth bring forth the land. Earth bring forth the, the animals. You know when God created man, to who did he speak to? Let us make man. He spoke to its source in that sense. As much as a fish can't survive in water and won't find his meaning, so much so can a man not find his meaning unless he is found in God. And so, as was explained and as what should be the testimony of everyone here, you know that life. If you have touched the Lord, you have met that life. When I, uh, um, as the story, when I grew up, just as many of you and different of us have found different ways to find satisfaction and find life, find meaning and find purpose. Some of you wanted to be great and famous or uh, um, get lots of degrees and that type of thing. That type of thing didn't quite do did it for me and so on. I was just up for cheap thrills and excitement and fun. And every time, you know, of course, as I gave myself to those things, which seems to be nice, I fed my psyche, I fed my bios, I walked away there empty, and I didn't feel satisfied. Until I met Jesus, until I've touched Him, until I have that which John proclaimed, Him will we touch and we see Him and proclaim. When I similarly touch and see Him, I was satisfied. I met I make this eternal lie. <coughs> and if you haven't touched it, you won't know what it is. I, uh, I, I said at the Bible school, there was, uh, um, there was uh, a, a, many years ago, there was a, a professor that went all over the world and thought that God does not exist. And he had enough, he had enough resources and purpose or, or resources and, and, and evidences to provide enough to convince that God does not exist. And as he is in one of his lectures, a student stood up in his meeting and said, Sir, sir, sorry, before you go on, I've got an apple in my hand here. Is it sweet or is it sour? The professor is like, listen, uh, young man, I uh, enjoy your enthusiasm, but please sit down. I'm busy. I'll eat the apple afterwards. He says, no, 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 professor, you don't understand. There's apple in my hand. Is it sweet or is it sour? And the professor says, ah, sit down. And this guy just don't, don't stop. Until the professor is just giving up and he says, okay, I don't know. What is this apple? And he took a bite of this apple and he says, how can you say that my God does not exist if you've never tasted it? And there's something about the life of God that cannot be explained. That which we've touched, that which we've handled, that which we've seen, have satisfied me. And since I've touched that life, as, as, as John would say, it has become the light of all mankind. It has suddenly given me perspective. It has suddenly given me purpose. It has suddenly given me reason. On uh, um, Friday, Warren's, Warren's wife, Lynn. She's actually just Lynn. She's not Warren's wife. She's just Lynn. <laughs> But just so that we know who he's speaking about, it's Warren's wife. So, so I, I, uh, uh, um, uh, she, she asked me, she, she, we, us three were just discussing. She got an opportunity and we were just discussing how, what to do. I thought to myself afterwards, imagine someone that is not of the life and not of the light 
have to sit into our conversation. And the reason how we kind of got to the conclusion, nothing would have made sense. <laughs> the life that became the light of this world, but darkness cannot understand it. <laughs> if you've ever walked with God, that should be your experience. The life of God that has become now the light of me, but darkness cannot understand it. And you know, when we were trying to figure out what to do in our situation, the question that arose, and even though we didn't mean it in so many words, was where is the life? We are completely, completely in that place that we want to be led by the life. That's my question. Where's the life? That's become my light. Where is the life? I'm not asking financial security. I'm not asking prominence. I'm not asking any of those other things that becomes indicators to make up whether it's a good or bad decision, a wise or unwise decision. There's only one question for me. Where is the life? That's become the life. And on that basis, I can have fellowship with people. That's the question. It's interesting. I feel like I, I start the sentence a lot with it's interesting. I must get another uh, intro line here. What I would say is, <laughs> if we look at mankind at the moment, right, in our understanding, top of the pile of those that represent life is born again, spiritful, blood washed believers, right? If you want to top it just a little bit, you can add messianic to it. All right? But that's pretty much on top of the pile. And then it starts getting blurry of how this pile goes down. Probably. For most Christians, especially in America, just under that is the Jewish community. I mean, they're not quite as far away as, but they're not quite there. So let's put them there. And then from there on, the layers of human society, of how much they represent light and darkness, we put out. Right? Eskom will even fix load shedding quicker to get me preach shorter. I know that. <laughs> but I won't give in. <laughs> Joking. So, you know, even, even as, as that pile goes on. And right at the bottom, we would probably, probably put the Arabs, the Muslims, those that persecute God's people. And so, so even as we have this different... 50 shades of gray, 50 shades of light, or 50 shades of darkness. It's, a, uh, it's amazing when John steps into the fray with these type of things. He says, there is an antichrist coming. In fact, there is many antichrists at the moment. And then he says, yes, I was just not shouting this thing already on. He was talking there as well. So, there's many antichrists. Then he says, he who does not receive Jesus that came into the flesh is the antichrist. 
sometimes have diverted even from the commonality that's found in Christ and Christ alone in things like morality or even common ethics. I'll tell you a guy that I'm just a little bit worried at the moment with. I'm still, I'm still lost. All right, yeah, I, I hear my phone. <laughs> All right, I'll be gracious to your ears now. Um, I'll tell you, uh, um, some, somebody, some of you might know him, that I find his influence is becoming increasingly strong in the church. And some of you might know them. If you don't know him, just bear with me a little bit. I'll explain a little bit what he does. Is Jordan Peterson. I can see the excitement already in the room. Naming the name. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson is... Uh, Incredible, you know, in the, in the last two decades, there's been an increased onslaught on a number of groups, but especially Christianity. And we live increasingly in the West, in a society where offending people, whoever decides the line of who is offended or not, but if you offend people, it's seen as wrong. And so we increasingly live on a society that you should tolerate and not have strong beliefs and strong views on that. A society that confronts, a society that can differ. And one of the guys that has a lot of believers alongside that has stood up and says, no. <laughs> if we create a society like that, yes, he does. It feels like I'm speaking in a tongue. It's a big deal. Huh? Can I go? Oof. Hello, 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 hello. hello. <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is hard for me to continue speaking when I feel like I'm in a turn. All right. So, so is it not that bad? Oh, okay. So, uh, um, and, and another thing that, and, and he stood up and says, no, no, no. We, we, it's healthy for society to blame, live in a place where we can disagree where there can be confrontation, where there can be offense. That's how we go forward. There's been a major attack, attack on the role of, of men in our society, on the patriarchy, if you may. Oh, that's a swear word. And Jordan Peterson has come and stood up and said the importance of knowing the need and the role model of a man. And if our society take his role away, a society will fall apart. The role of the man in the household, the role of the man in society, the role and the acknowledgement that men and women are different. And as in the Christian society, we have found that there is a similar voice ethically that we can stand and unite with. He says much better what we think. Go Jordan, go Jordan. You tell them. But I want to say to you guys, his source is different than my source. His life is different than my life. The thing that he reaches out and the thing that gives him reason is different than mine. Now ethically, we will stand on many sides in many ways, but I can't fellowship with him. He's from the darkness. He 
Because darkness is not defined by correct ethics or morality. Light is simply, simply defined by we have proclaimed Him. The one that we touch, see, and take hold. And unless you touch and see hold, we cannot have fellowship. Light is found in the person of Christ. Yesterday I had a very nice conversation with some people. <laughs> and uh, what, 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 one of the things that uh, um, I found, you know, in me going to Russia, is the first question that people will ask, or, you know, what's the situation in the war? And that's obvious. I mean, that is, that is what we hear all the time. You know? But we must be careful that we are pulled into a battle that we continuously need to make a judgment. What is light and what is darkness? Russia or Ukraine? Liberals or conservatives? Republicans or Democrats, capitalism, and socialism, Jews or Arabs. There's this divide the whole time, and there's a call for us to choose the light one, the good one, and the bad one. And that's just not my war. That's not my war. That's all darkness. There's only one question for me. Where's the light? That's the, that's, the, that's the thing that I'm engraved into. That's the question that I ask. And so, I almost want to if you, if you look at the war right now, the thing that will be celebrated above all is if we can get peace in that war. Imagine a man able to instigate something that can bring peace in that war. And of course, look, I want peace in that war. That peace, a peace and no war is better than war. Sure, right, obviously. But you know, something about one of the attributes of the Antichrist would be he would be a man of peace. Right, so we know Putin is not the Antichrist. Right, it's like, all right, he's not going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. That we know, right? A world will go, unless it's, it's, a, it's a completely Russian prize giving. He's not, he's not going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. That we know. Hitler is not going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. So at least we know it is not Putin and it's not Hitler that's the Antichrist. Now, were they overtly demonic and evil? Yes. But when Satan is going to bring his ultimate plan, it's going to be much more deceptive than just a Hitler or a Putin. It's going to sway the whole world under the name of peace. But it's not Christ. And we substitute Christ with world peace. Can you imagine that day when that man comes up and he's able to orchestrate peace over the world and someone says he's got the same spirit than Putin. 
Are you mad? He's got the same spirit that Hitler. Are you mad? We have to ask ourselves the right question. We have to find ourselves in the right camp of light and darkness. When the early church started, there was a lot of persecution. It was tough being a Christian in the first century. Tougher, you won't believe it. I know Christians are complaining everywhere about the persecution in the West, you know. But it was tougher in those days. Right? It was tougher. But as the centuries go on, the second century was even tougher. It was even tougher. And even more people were killed in the second century. It was more brutal. And then the third century came, and as the third century progressed, it became increasingly brutal that the end of the third century was the most brutal time of Christian history. It was extremely, extremely brutal. And then something very, very amazing happens. The emperor of Rome, that by that stage as an institution, has pulverized and killed Christians for fun, had an encounter with God. And Christians, those that have touched the life and touched him, was brought a way to reconcile. And Constantine, the emperor at the time, comes to them and he says to them, listen, let's make this thing big. Let's make this thing a religion. In fact, we make it a state religion. And from now on, everybody will be called Christians. Everybody will need to take on your practices, your traditions, your rituals. And they substitute the life with a religion. And as Christians of the time, it was beaten up at that time, they couldn't resist. It seemed so close. There's so much commonality. We will read the Bible. We will keep the festivals. I know there's, 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 there's a mixture of some pagan stuff as well in there. But the real life uh, knocker that took it all away was not the mixture of the pagan festivals, but was the fact that life was substituted for religion. And since that moment, Christianity became a world religion that took over the world and the dark ages started. And for a thousand years, Christ was removed and he was substituted with religion. And it was the darkest age, at least in the modern era. Darkness came. I want to say to you guys, the distance between Christ and Christianity is a mere religion as far as Christ and Islam. It's light and darkness. I don't care about your rituals. I don't care about your morals. I don't care about your ethics. And hear what I say if I say I don't care. Of course, I know society is run on better things. But ultimately, I can have fellowship on this ground. You have touched the life. And therefore, we have fellowship with one another. I distinct light and darkness on this ground. Him who I've touched. Him who I've seen. Him that's become my life. And now become my life. All right.
That's the first three verses. <laughs> okay, I think I'm not going to finish the whole chapter today. But if you guys give me two more verses, two more verses. All right. So one John, um, four, uh, one John verse, uh, one John one, verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, we throw into a different aspect here. God is light and in him is no darkness. I want to just say a couple of things of the fact that there is darkness. You must understand that sin can never flourish in the light. Sin flourish in darkness. It flourishes there. And everything and everything that is in it and comes from the enemy would love, would not love, I mean it's perfect for him. It is everything hangs on it, will try and keep it in darkness. And for you to have fellowship with God, it will mean to come in the light. That is a daunting thing. And all of hell will try and keep you in darkness. It's really, I'm, I'm gonna, I didn't even ask him if I can use it, but I think it will be okay. All right. Some of you know that uh, um, Rudy confessed, he came to the fore. It was unfortunate because of his... Uh, um, his position in the church already that it had to come to the light in such a public way. It's not always the case, but because of his position, it had come in such a public way. And uh, he says to me that morning, many of you were here, that morning as he came into the meeting, he said to me afterwards, he says, I looked at certain people and the enemy told me, today when they know and they hear, they're going to reject you. Today, when they know and they hear, they're not going to look the same at you. And he says, as he was coming and time was coming closer, the fear, the absolute fear to stay in, to come into the light, gripped him. <laughs> right? And we all know that when he came into the light, and this is the funny thing, he says, every person that he thought of will reject him by person came to him afterwards and communicated the opposite. And there's something of a discovery of God and the acceptance and love of God could never have happened in darkness. It had to come. It had to come in the light. There is no way that we're going to walk free in darkness. No way. There is this unreconcilable. The other thing that sin is there, but relationship with God requires this attribute. You want to grow with God, you need to be in the light. I, uh, um, I uh, spoke to someone uh, recently. I said, listen man, you're angry with God. So I can't be angry with God. It's wrong to be angry with God. I said, I know it's wrong to be angry with God. I'm just saying, if you are angry with God, you better acknowledge it. Now, I can't acknowledge it. It'll be wrong to acknowledge that I'm angry with God. 
And I said, God is big. He can handle you. You're not gonna, he's not insecure. It's like, I can't even sit in the act of I'm just gonna say I'm angry, but you are. And he just requires you, all that he wants you is to come into the light and say to him, God, I'm angry with you. Because you did that and that and that and that. Why did you do it? I'm sorry for that, God, but I can't. <laughs> oh, God needs that. God can't fellowship with you that you just present what you consider you would like to think is right. He cannot. He needs you to, to be real. I uh, think I've told you this story, but I once in a series of events, God was showing me my love for the world is greater than the love for Him. I mean, I don't want it to be true, but it is the truth. I love the world more than Him. I know it's wrong to say I don't love Him. I know, I know it's wrong not to love Him, but that's the truth. I don't love Him. So I risked it. And I decided I'm going to be in the light. God, I don't love you. And I was not bragging about his love. I'm going to say to you, I don't know. <laughs> it was a very, very vulnerable moment for me. I've given myself the one that wants to be martyred for Christ. In fact, I'm the guy. If you want to see radical, this is me. And he showed and he cut away all those junk and he showed me the very intent of my heart that I love myself more than him. And I came to the place that I could acknowledge it before him. He said, God, I don't love you. I love myself more. Nothing, nothing has done more for my relationship with God than that. I remember, I, I want to make fun of a few people, but I, I remember when Andrew Nakona just joined us. Their prayers. Guys, I can see how you walk for your prayers. I don't, I don't want to be judgmental here. But uh, Andrew Nakona would start their prayers like this. Oh, Father Jesus, Holy Spirit. Lord Almighty, God glorious. I just, I just, oh, my Father, my God, my glorious one. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on, guys. I mean, can we just get past all of those religious junk? And can we just go to a place where you can honestly tell him what's in your heart? I praise God. I've watched them over time. I've watched them over time. Oh, they have ripped off those masks and those religious veneers that kept them in darkness with this mystical pretense. Ah! And they became real of what's really in their hearts. And I've seen them grown amazingly. They actually call God just once, God. Then they move on. They don't give him 60 names. He just makes sure he knows now. And I was like, God, Father, Holy Spirit, Son. And I'm like, Wabuna, Wabuna. <laughs> Sorry, I, I shouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, it's just so much refreshing. I have fellowship with them. I have fellowship with them. I have deep fellowship with them. They're from Kaimandi. Our backgrounds are so different, but I have fellowship with them. As I don't have fellowship with family. Because they have touched the life that I've touched. And we understand one another. We understand one another. It's 
so awesome, the fellowship that we can see. Now, verse, verse, verse 6. Verse 6, guys, I, I'll, uh, um, I'll stop here. If we say, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, and yet walk in darkness, in verse 7 as well, uh, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You know, I, uh, um, I was once in, um, I was once in uh, Japan, and uh, I went to a restaurant. And I must say, Japanese restaurants has the best service ever that I've been in any place in the world in regards to restaurants. And they've got no tipping culture. No one tips at a restaurant. They're like, what are you doing, right? Um, but I suppose they get paid pretty well there. But anyway, I, I, uh, um, I, I went to this uh, fairly fancy restaurant once, me and Arthur went there. And I mean, this waiter was incredible. I mean, I, I need him to come and teach our welcoming team, you know, how to do it. I mean, everything made us feel like the most important people on the face of the earth. And as it is, I think God has set something up. God wanted to teach me something that day. As it is that day, we obviously left and we traveled the city. And it's a massive, massive city. A couple of million, million people. The metro is massive. It's like ants everywhere. People ants. It's like everywhere. And as we got onto the metro, in just one of the thousands of metros, I sit in this truck. And as I look up, my waiter is sitting right across the, the train truck from me. And we look and we catch one another's eyes and we realize we know one another. <laughs> and we realize from where. But I realize it's a different man standing in front of me. He's not even smiling. He's not giving me anything. I've just encountered the real man. And the Lord told me, he said, you know, that's how my church is so many times. You know, we, we, we have learned to have Christian waker Christianity. And we display it the best on a Sunday, right? Right, guys? Whoever comes here, whatever we do, Oh, it's so wonderful to see And even our fellowship, huh? Our fellowship between one another that knows one another. I mean, we have restaurant Sunday fellowship. You know, it's like... You know, as we get to know one another more, as we get into the same train truck after a while, and we just can't uphold the restaurant smile anymore, and we actually get to know one another. How many of you have ever felt that as you get closer and closer to one another, upholding this mask is just becoming tougher and tougher and tougher. And every now and then, every now and then, you know, it just slips up. It just, it just, your, your mask slips off a little bit. It, they just sweep something out of you that's really in you. And you walk away, shut I can't believe I showed it to them. I can't believe that it came out. I should be better next time. What do you mean? Train hard to keep a mask up? I pray that God will bring fellowship here. 
Let them drop the mask and we can see one another as we are. I don't trust any relationship. I don't trust any relationship that is only be courteous and polite and only have Sunday restaurant relationship. I'm like you guys. I want to say this is so funny you know, how the church has done that. Pastor. Somehow when you think a guy's still pastor, we just think automatically it just puts a little bit more light there. You get Christians and you get the pastor. I know we're not living in that type of church culture. We try and break that down and everything that is in us. But I tell you, there's something subtle that's still on that. That sometimes this thought comes on me. I want to be honest with you guys. I'm the pastor. I'm fearing that they will see everything about me. They'll be freaked out. I have to go there. I have to fight. I have to fight to go there. I have to fight to go there. I have to be willing to be myself. I have to be willing to drop the mask. I have to be willing to drop the pretense. I have to be willing to be vulnerable. I'm telling you, and I am fearful sometimes, like you. Imagine if they see everything that's going on in your heart. Imagine if they see everything that you are really at. Maybe they catch you off guard. Oops. <laughs> Don't catch me off guard. Don't come to my house after church. It is horribly dirty. My wife is not here. I'm confessing it now. <laughs> but sometimes that's just an illustration of the state of who we are. And somehow there not needs to be a fellowship between us that's deeper than just where we can be an environment where we drop the moss. Oh, the depth of the love that Rudy has experienced has set him free, not only in this relationship, but in this relationship. He's different at the moment because he is in the light and he has experienced fellowship in the light. It's incredible. So, I uh, um, recently spoke to one of the one of our elder, one of the lead elders. Some of you might know him. Hannes is a young guy, and uh, we we spoke on uh, um, just how how we switch off. Uh, if he's in full time ministry, I said some of the things that I do, and then also what do you do? He said, "No, he goes surfing. He's like a real social guy, so he's surfing with guys." So I said, oh yeah, I can imagine surfing, it could be a cool discipleship uh, kind of opportunity, is how I'm thinking. And he says, uh, no, 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 when I'm, when, I, when I'm surfing and it's for a relaxed time, I, I don't want to be on my guard completely and think about that time. I want to let my guard off completely when I go surf and just relax and refresh. So I would more go with people like, and he names a couple of people, not in any way to try and illustrate a point. And one of the people that he mentions is Andrew Selly. He says, what he was saying is, I like to be with people that I can have my underpants sticking out. I mean, I want to be with people in that time that I can be completely not thinking what to say now and what's the right thing to do. I want to be completely relaxed. You know, you have people like that. How many of you would not have associated that with, say, for instance, fellowship with Andrew Sedi? 
That was for me the most awesome testimony that I've ever thought. And he didn't try to illustrate a point. He was just speaking. I want us to have that culture amongst us. That there's true fellowship in the life. That we don't judge one another in the life. But we celebrate Christianity in the life. Alright. Guys, I'm going to finish here. <laughs> oh, thanks for your patience. Can I pray for us? And then we're going to have a time of worship. Worship guys, you can, you can come to the front. <laughs> Lord, I, I, I thank you. <laughs> Life and death. Life and darkness. Lord, it's not even fine and good and bad. It's not even fine and evil and good. It's not even fine and moral and immoral, Lord Jesus. It's fine in Christ and not Christ. And Father, I pray that even today as the Antichrist is around, tricking us from finding another source of life and life, it's another form of that which distinguishes us. We want to say... He is the one that changes everything and makes everything different. Father, as you are light and as you introduce yourself as light, may we relate with you as people in the light. And may we have fellowship with one another that display in the light better than anything. Praise you, we honor you, God. Oh, Lord, you are just so non-religious. You're the least religious being on, on the... On, on the Ever. You're just so real. You are like, there's not, there's not an ounce of you that's not real. That's genuine. Oh Lord, forgive us where we have reflected you as a restaurant waiter person. That seems to have a face one side, but a different face other side. You are not. You are fully life. And we want to engage in that and walk in that and relate with that. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.